The verdict is in, and you are listening to Legally Blondish. If you want the world to hear your voice, simply log on to podcasters.spotify.com. Also, if you are enjoying the show, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, and any other podcasting platform that you listen to. And as always, stay tuned for more interviews and hot topic reviews. Hello, hello, and welcome back. This is Legally Blondish, and my name is Summer Prime. So first of all, how are we doing? Um, It has been a little over a month of law school for many of us. Uh, If you started in the middle of August, like I did, so I'm sure you one else are either just loving it or absolutely hating it. It's either the worst experience of your life or the best. So I just encourage you to like reach out. Let me know how you guys are doing. I care about my listeners. And honestly, I'm just interested. Like, let me know where you go to school and kind of what the vibes are. Um, But yeah, so I hope we're doing well. I hope We are all faring in this very pressurized world. Um, And honestly, I hope we are giving each other and ourselves some grace. Everyone's going to have a bad cold call. Everyone's going to have a bad day, a bad grade maybe. So just try to keep your head on a swivel and um, keep your your head up, your your chin up, you know. We're going to get through it no matter what. But... So today we are continuing in some Hot Topic reviews. Um, We're actually going to do a little bit more of a serious uh, topic today. We're going to talk about legal researching and writing. Usually this is like referred to as LRW, ALW um, in school. These are classes that are pretty much formative of what you have to do once you get to a law firm or kind of what you have to do to get in front of a judge, aka like write a trial brief or um, present an oral argument. So both of those things are difficult to do, research and write. The correct way that needs to be done um, is not something that comes naturally to a lot of us. And I think it's important that we realize that and we accept that Um, you're not just going to wake up and be a fantastic uh, legal researcher and writer. You have to kind of go through these steps or go through the process, take the course, um, fail a little bit, and then uh, succeed. So mainly, we're just going to talk about a couple of things, but I just want to make a point that I'm pretty sure almost every ABA accredited school you do it in your first and like second year maybe you take lrw and then you take alw um so and that just stands for legal research and writing and then um the second one is advanced legal writing so that's what that means if i'm referring to it and you were like i don't even know what this girl is talking about enlighten me here you go so essentially the research papers that you're writing and I mean, really even in law school and just generally after you get into your area of law, 
And of course, not every area of law requires you to write a memo or to do any extensive research. Um, but you, you know, you have to know the law. You have to be able to draw conclusions with deductive reasoning and critical thinking, using evidence and reasoning and legal analysis and analogical reasoning to kind of create your either your theme of your paper or your trial brief or your oral argument or just try to convince the court, judge, etc. of why the law rules in your favor. So that's why we need it, in case you're wondering, because I know it's very easy to sit in those classes and think to yourself, what am I doing here? I'm doing really bad in this class. I thought I was a good writer. I thought that I had what it, like, you know, kind of it took to make good grades in a writing class. I've always been gifted as a writer. It's a whole different animal, honestly. It's not the same as, you know, writing a paper in college. Legal research and writing in law school is a very tedious process. And honestly, it takes a lot of time and just effort in general. So essentially, if you can't apply your research that you've done on a legal topic in an effective way that pretty much argues for you, essentially, in your memo or something that you are writing, whether it be for your internship that you're going to have next summer or uh, once you're actually at a firm or once you're in front of a judge um, going to trial or um, going through litigation. So in order to have a good grasp on the kind of arguments that will help you hold your own in class and like kind of on exams as well, really, you need to have a couple of like skills. And so the most important one, I think, is that you need to be able to understand the evidence in the like ODFs or the outcome determinative facts, which I'm sure your professors will refer to um, in these, you know, different classes, either ALW or LRW. You need to be able to take those and actually turn that evidence and those facts into showing your answer and like kind of how you came to that conclusion that the law should either go in your favor or um, whatever. So to do this, I think the main thing is that you have to take the law as it is and not what it should be, or at least what you think it should be. But you have to find the law that works in your favor. Most of the time, you're going to kind of give some opposition arguments and then essentially tell the court why those don't matter or kind of why your argument is stronger. But the main thing is, is yes, you want to talk about those weaknesses, but you really want to focus on the strong points. You really, really want to drive home the fact that the different things that you're saying are backed up with legal reasoning and just not some reasoning that you came up with on your own. So in order to do that, you need the research and you need the ODFs, the facts, 
etc. to hold some kind of teeth in your argument. So essentially, lawyers always kind of come to conclusions that, you know, this person was unreasonable because they did X, Y, Z. Well, how do you figure out if XYZ applies to your case or to your person? Or does it apply here, but oh wait, there's an exception. So to do all of those things, again, you just need the research. You need to like literally sit down, look up cases, figure some things out. So I wanna kind of just talk about what we have when we um, go through legal researching and like kind of what materials, resources there are, what has helped me and hopefully what can help you. So I think the like most popular ones, at least at my university, is Lexis, which is like Lexis Nexus or like Lexis Plus, um, and Westlaw. Those are like probably the top two that everyone uses for legal research when they're researching cases to help them for these classes for uh, different oral arguments or briefs or appellate arguments, whatever they have to write. So after you kind of find the place you're going to research, you're going to go on there, you know, you're going to, you're going to type in some keywords. So let's say you have a case about negligence. And in your negligence case, there is the term, and it's an exception actually to certain negligence cases proving um, either a duty to an invitee to warn their, so landowners to warn their invitees or to not. And so this is when something is open and obvious. There's no duty to warn your invitee of the open and obvious danger. Therefore, you didn't have to warn them. And the fact that they were um, injured is not your negligence fault maybe it's contrib neg or something else. But either way, you're gonna go on there, you're gonna put in a bunch of keywords and I love to use Lexis, that's kind of like my favorite, but you're gonna use Lexis and you're gonna just type in some keywords either as like the natural language or as terms and connectors, which just means if you wanted to kind of find those words together or just on their own, um, you're gonna type in maybe open and obvious uh, invitee, landowner, uh, negligence, duty, just a, a bunch. You can, you know, kind of go through a list and type them all in and try to figure something out. And you're going to try to find something that is similar to the facts of your case. So in order to be persuasive in your argument or in your memo, um, well, obviously, if you're not writing a persuasive memo, don't do this. But when you do write a persuasive um, argument, you need something that is similar to your case so that when you give the illustration, which is like a part of a brief, when you give an illustration of the facts of that other case that you found, it is very similar and you can draw different facts from that case. So those are those ODFs again. And you can match those to the facts in the ODFs of your own case that you are researching for. And you're going to do that part in like an application area. 
um, either analysis or distinction or something of that sort, which I'm sure you kind of can learn all about this and all of the different things that go into a memo or a trial brief or um, other things like that. You're going to learn all about this in those classes, so do not fear. <laughs> um, so yeah, using the key terms, super helpful. Narrowing it down by like jurisdiction. So if you're in North Carolina or South Carolina and you want to only see things that are in North Carolina or South Carolina, you want to put that in there. I know on Lexis you can narrow it by the state, you can narrow it by the district court, um, etc. So you can you can do that. You can narrow it by like a secondary sources, which is highly recommended. It just kind of helps you find some things that may not have been as easy to find before. And then some other things you want to do if, you know, you're, you're trying to get the best um, argument that, that proves itself, evidence that proves itself, you probably want to go with something that, number one, has never been overruled for obvious reasons. And number two, something that is recent or like something that is at least what has been applied this entire time, like nothing has changed since that ruling for that case. So definitely try to do that. I think it's very helpful. Um, so even if the cases don't have the same legal outcome, so say they ruled that there was a duty to warn and you're trying to explain that there wasn't, you can still use those cases and actually use them to your benefit. And this is where you say something like, unlike John case, our client blank, or though the defendant in John blank, we ask the court to find blank. So you can kind of find those cases and actually use them to your advantage if you're kind of keening enough to like figure out ooh, wait, that was so much different in this case, and that's why they ruled that way. So find that, and I know at my school, I think they call it like the phrase that pays, like the different thing that the case pretty much turns on, like 100% turns on. It's either this way or that way, and depending on how you argue, it's either, you know, you win or you lose on that phrase or like that specific um usually it's like a part of the rule. So doing that, you can do. Super helpful. Um, also, I think it's important that you can figure out from one case that's really, really similar, other cases as well. So you can use, I know on Lexis, you can like use Shepardize to figure out oh, this case was cited and used by 20 other cases that kind of had similar facts. Let's go look at these. Or let's use kind of the same keywords I've used here. And I think Westlaw has Keysight, which is like a similar kind of thing, where you can see those other cases that used your case as good law. And those are options for just like more information, additional kind of facts or set of facts that you can go through and see, okay, so this is how they explained it and how they explained that there was no duty to warn or whatever. 
So another important thing is that I know on Lexis they have like the head notes and those are the legal points that come out of a case. So I think using those to kind of understand the case is such an important thing to do. Um, I feel like someone needed to explain all of this one-on-one -on -one with me before I like was thrown into it because I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. What am I supposed to be looking for? How do I research like legal cases? How do I know whether it benefits me? Do they just have to be ruling in the same way I want them to rule? How do I find ones with the same facts, etc.? Stuff like that was all something that I wish someone like talked to me one-on-one. -on -one. And we had someone come to our school who kind of was a from Lexus. And I'm sure we had something from Westlaw as well. And they do talk to you and they kind of tell you how to use it. But it's super hard when you're in a class of, you know, 150 people and they're kind of going through a slideshow quickly. You're like, oh, and you're not really following along. So maybe it was my bad on my part, but I definitely delve deeper into this entire topic and like into legal research after my 1L year when I was at a firm um, working at a bankruptcy and foreclosure firm. And I just was like, you know, I kind of need to figure out how to do this in a better way that works for me, honestly. And that makes more sense to me because some of the attorneys that I was working under would ask me, hey, can you research these two legal issues? And I would do it, and then my organized information would not be organized. It would just be so all over the place. I had like just a ton of different cases and random citations with them. And, you know, some of them kind of found like, hey, where are you pulling this from? Like, what, you know, what does this help us with? So then I realized kind of putting in based on this legal issue where and then kind of stating the legal issue um, and then breaking that legal issue down into a bunch of smaller issues or like maybe even defenses or something like that or just like claims that the opposing counsel can come at you with was extremely helpful and then underneath each of those smaller issues or claims or defenses having cases that related to it that helped our point or like helped our side were so important and they just all of the attorneys loved when I came back with something that was organized like that rather than a vomit on a page of everything I found and no explanation or not linking the cases that I found together so that's a huge thing linking the cases that you found together. So how does, you know, Smith run into John and how does John run into Martin and how does Martin run into um, Wood? Like literally almost like a trickle down effect. Like you want to go from the first case that you found that supported your claim and kind of work your way down from there into the smaller like sub rules and sub issues. So again, this sub rule and sub issue thing, you're going to learn um, as soon as you kind of get thrown into LRW or ALW, you're, you're going to learn all of those things. Um, so when I say them now, if you don't know what they mean, that's, you know, fine. Just don't even worry about it. Um, I just hope that this can be mainly like just a, a little 
kind of preview into what is expected of you and, and why we actually take LRW and ALW. I do think those classes like obviously get a lot of hate. Like you're like, why am I doing so much work? And you know, then you got the blue book and you have to do blue book exercises. And that's just the worst. Like no good lawyer knows how to blue book. Like, I mean, I don't know a single one. I'm pretty sure they all just have the book or they go search it online and figure it out. <laughs> um, but you know, learning to do that is important. And I did actually come across a time where a lawyer at the firm I was working at for my internship was like, hey, can you cite all of these cases I've listed? And kind of, um, he wanted me to make like, uh, in the beginning of a trial um, memo, you kind of, or like a hearing memo, you kind of make a table of contents of all the cases that you're essentially going to cite. So it's like your table of authorities, I think they call it. And so he was like, can you make my table of authorities and go through and cite them all like correctly? He kind of just had like the case names. And so I had to like cite all of these cases and I was like, oh boy, let me get out the blue book. Like good thing I still have it. And good thing that I um, tabbed it all by states and you know, kind of topic and whatnot, because it was extremely, extremely helpful. So something I definitely recommend um, you do, tab the blue book, keep it with you forever. Um, you're probably going to need it. I did use the blue book another time other than that too, to just make sure that something I was giving a lawyer was correct. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess mainly the whole thing is that Legal research um, is not something that's easy to understand. It, it really isn't. And kind of using your critical thinking to gather information about your legal issue and kind of, you know, getting those ODFs and those facts of like the who, what, when, where, and how of your case is what lays your foundation. And so it can streamline the whole process if you know how to correctly handle it. So if you know those key phrases or the phrases that pay or something that the case turns on and you can narrow it, kind of like target into those little sub rules and then go on and actually take that and find cases that are ruling in your favor or that aren't ruling in your favor, but have something that is pivotal to your case and why they should rule in your favor on your account because of the differences or because of the similarities in those cases, you will have such an easier time going through LRW and ALW. Because honestly, LRW is extremely tough because you've never done this kind of work before. You're writing these kind of uh, research papers for the first time and you're, you know, add in the blue book and, and a variety of other things. Um, and it's hard to actually formulate those sub rules when you cannot directly draw them out of a case and you actually have to almost infer and kind of glean sub rules from the case yourself. So this is something that takes a lot of practice because again, there's rules where you will verbatim take them from the case. Like the main general rules usually um, 
kind of think of it as like a funnel. So the general rules are at the top and then it kind of gets narrower at the bottom where you kind of have a very small sub rule almost that explains what is open and obvious. What is, so underneath open and obvious, what is, taking us back to our negligence hypothetical, obviously, um, so what is open and obvious? And then what underneath open and obvious is um, using your eyes in a reasonable manner as a reasonably intelligent person would. So those are like kind of, a, there's a sub rule inside of a sub rule there. So getting to those like nitty gritty sub rules and kind of um, taking a deeper dive into that and then finding those keywords within that, um, like using your eyes in a manner that is reasonable and, and, you know, reasonably intelligent person. Well, what are either of those things? The law never makes it clear to us what either of those things are. Um, so we have to do our own legal research to figure it out, to find the evidence that proves itself and slap a theme on there. Give yourself a theme, you know, kind of if you need to use um, a theme and like continually kind of repeat it throughout the case and make your, um, or I'm sorry, throughout the brief and make your brief like more appealing and almost like a hook, like more of a hook to the reader. And that way it'll look like more of a hook and read like more of a hook to the judge when they read it or when a, an attorney at your firm reads it. Um, you do that, like do what you have to do. Use the theme, get those sub rules in there, use keywords, um, remember the purpose behind it. Remember that this actually helps you. So when you're sitting there and you're crying over a blue book assignment or you're sitting there and you're just dreading having to go to ALW or LRW, um, remember that this is like is actually extremely helpful. And overall, it teaches you how to be a better writer just throughout your life. Like when you can really kind of limit yourself to only talking about what's important and creating and publishing something about like a single law topic or a single piece of evidence or um, a single little mini sub rule that came out of your case and you can do that in real life where you can publish and write something about something so narrow that um, people are hooked on reading it and they actually like are persuaded by your writing or um, can see your reasoning in there, that will be, you know, kind of an, an immeasurable um, skill that, you, that you'll take away from this, hopefully forever. Um, I hope this was helpful. <laughs> I hope that, you know, these tips have kind of given you some ease and I know this probably is not the most interesting topic that you wanted to hear about, but I just, I needed to kind of go over this, I think, because I feel like in my own personal experience, I feared LRW and I just was like, I'm going to do so bad because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know how to legally research. I don't know how to blue book what do I do? And then when I actually attempted LRW in real life and applied it to the firm that I was working at, 
I was like, oh, wait, this actually is very helpful. And this is a majority of what I'm doing is researching. Um, Maybe not always writing, but definitely researching and then organizing the ideas by sub rule and kind of, like I said, again, that funnel where like, hey, I found this on, you know, negligence, I guess, again, and but there's something in here about open and obvious. That's an exception. Oh, wait. And then aside from open and obvious, it needs to be using your eyes in a manner that is reasonable and as a reasonably intelligent person would do. So getting down to that nitty gritty for um, your law firm, for you know different things that you're going to work for, um, and hopefully just your experience next semester and um, next year if you're a 1L for ALW, or next semester for um, LRW, the second course, depending on how your school does it. Uh, I just think this was something that needed to be kind of addressed. So we will definitely get into some more topics. Um, We're really trying to get some interviews in line right now. We hopefully will have some very exciting new episodes coming about um, being a mother in law school and just kind of how to manage your time wisely. And, you know, how do you, how do you devote time to your family and um, your kids and also your uh, hope and dream for career? So we'll hopefully get into that. Um, We'll get into some other good topics very soon. Um, And we just, we, you know, we hope to see you again. We hope that you listen again. So thank you very much. And again, this is Summer Prime and you are listening to Legally Blondish. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you like, comment, subscribe, and save this episode. Let us know how we're doing and leave a review. If you feel compelled to tell us how much you love us, please do so. Otherwise, we hope to see you on our Instagram at legally.blondish. Bye!